Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Really quick before the episode begins, new tour dates announced. I am taping a live episode of Having Funlessness podcast right in Los Angeles on June 25th. Tickets are on sale now. JenKirkman.com right there on the homepage. And Los Angeles, I'm doing a proper one-hour comedy stand-up show material you have never seen. Friday, July 26th. That is on sale now. JenKirkman.com. And uh, I've got, obviously, on sale now, Minnesota. Minneapolis, that is, Nashville, Birmingham, Alabama, Athens, Georgia, Brooklyn, and Boston, all, again, on the homepage of JenKirkman.com. Tickets for my shows in Toronto will go on sale this Friday, so, again, check my website for that information. I'll have it for you next week here, as well as London. I am coming. Save the date September 30th through October 5th. We've got some Texas updates for you coming up in August and uh, some more stuff down south in December. But again, I highly recommend JenKirkman.com. Get on that newsletter. And for those cities right now that are on sale, please buy tickets in advance so I don't lose my mind. Having Funlessness, episode 288, America. Woo! Sorry. (laughs) Oh my God, what we are going to talk about this week. I've decided to answer a question that my ear, nose, and throat doctor asked me. What's America like? I'm going to tell you to the best of my ability based on all my recent experiences in the land of America. Now, the whole point of the episode, obviously, is that I'm just telling stories about random people I've met and weird things I've overheard. But isn't that what any country is? It's not the food or the weather. I mean, it's really the people. And there's all kinds of people here. And I get to meet them. And uh, maybe you guys don't. And you want to know who's out there. I will tell you about a guy at a hotel who begged me 
to, to talk him through a crisis he was having. He thought his watch was too feminine. I will talk about a wine bar at another hotel I went to where uh, I got in trouble for ordering wrong, and I was there was only two people there, and they were stressed and saying they were really busy, but they weren't. I will talk about uh, people who are so don't pay attention to politics that I had people contact me who are worried about my safety because I'm reading Michael Cohen's emails. They thought I was getting those emails privately. They didn't realize they're public. I want to talk about a yoga teacher, NLA, who quoted Anne Frank. I can't even. I'm going to talk about so many other things. What we get offended at, what we don't. Young people don't know what cabbage is when compared to lettuce. And the TV show Perfect Strangers, which I've been binge watching. <laughs> and so much more on today's Having Funlessness. All right, I'm going to tell you, I'm sick again. Don't send me remedies. I'm doing it all. Glutathione shots, colloidal silver, B12, all the vitamins. Beyond remedies. I'm, I'm not even naming half the ones I'm doing. All the other supplements. Golden seal, echinacea, garlic, blah, 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 blah. Hot saunas, cold showers, resting, not resting. I'm doing it all. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. I had a very short cold a couple weeks ago. And the first day that I was better, even though I wasn't like, I was like half better, I just started burning it on both ends again. Uh, working. Listen, I have a million friends. I'm home for a few months. I am not going to sit around on my butt. <clears throat> but I work every day. I work every second. I mean, it's like we're having dinner. You run to the bathroom. I'll promote a show on Twitter while I wait for you to come back. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm always working. But I'm writing five different things. Uh, I'm seeing friends. I'm hanging out with people. I'm doing a lot of stuff. So I was doing too much hot yoga. I believe I sweat out my immune system. I, I actually dehydrated myself. And when I'm dehydrated, my immune system is terrible. So it's sort of like the cold was like, oh, I was hanging around. I was just about to leave. But you want me to come back? So it's obviously, as you can hear, it doesn't sound that bad. But my throat is burning like fire. But my uh, ear, nose, and throat doctor gave me this awesome throat gargle. Um, and I'm, of course, I'm doing the hot water and salt. But this is a little more profesh. So by the time you hear this, I will be fine. So I don't want any fucking remedies. Literally, like, if you're like, I'm going to tweet a remedy at Jen, I would consider taking your own life first. <laughs> Why would I say that? That is a horrible thing to say. Apologies to my friends who have taken their own lives. I actually think they would laugh at that. All right. Well, let's get started. So... First of all, I, I got a, my yoga class, this girl, this teacher, I mean, it's a hot yoga class, people, not Bikram, everyone's going to email me, he molested everyone, I know, there's just a, uh, there's a, an establishment, it's actually nationwide, it's a chain, where they do yoga in the heat, it's like normal yoga, but it's just humid and hot in there, so this teacher gets up, and this, they're trying to be inspirational, and this is what I don't think your basics understand, your basic people. The act of doing yoga is the lesson in and of itself. Does that make sense? So let me, let me backtrack here. I am going to tell you my experiences all over this land in America, but I will start 
by making fun of the place that I live, which is Los Angeles, so that no one gets upset when I critique other areas of the country, okay? I mean, you'll get upset anyway, because you truly believe LA is shitty, and you think it's right when I make fun of LA, but you think if I make fun of somewhere in the Midwest, oh, she's a coastal elite. But what I'm going to tell you is like, with everything, try not to make noises into the mic, but my nose is stuffy, is uh, you've got some bullshit everywhere. You've got some things that fit the stereotype everywhere, and then you have things that burst out against it everywhere. So, you know. Um, so my point about yoga is you don't need an inspira- inspirational... <laughs> I can't get that iTunes review out of my head. She's slurring. I Listen, I promise you, when I, like, fall off a balcony or however I go, there's not going to be an autopsy where it's like, oh, my God, she was secretly a drug addict. I'm telling you, I slur all the time. I don't know what it is. It should concern me because this, this is relatively new uh, since I hit my 40s, and I'm forgetful. So who knows? You could be witnessing mini strokes. I don't know what it, don't email me. I don't, hey, we have new merchandise. It's called don't email me. It is in the store right now. If you go to jenkirkman.com, click shop, you will be taken to a page where you can see a bunch of my different designs that I have at the T public store. And then once you're on my page, it'll say click here to start shopping. And we have, if you are a stressed out person, you don't want to be emailed, there's a shirt, cute little computer. It's like, oh, don't email me. You can get it as a mug, as a t-shirt, as a baby onesie. You can get it as a notebook, as a pillow, whatever. And of course, we have who calls people, which I think is funny to get as a phone case. So that's how you shop my store. And uh, a bunch of people told me that they loved when I would yell out, don't email me, and they would totally wear merchandise with that. So I make merchandise, and then I hear from people. They're like, I like emails. Well, listen, somebody at some point told me to do it, and I did it. So maybe they left the planet, <laughs> but I did it for them. Okay, so what was I saying? When you do yoga, the lesson is in the movement. Does that make sense? You're holding a pose. And it's causing tension. And the best way to maintain the pose is to relax, even though it seems counterintuitive. Maybe you want to smile during a pose. But whatever it is, yoga can make you really angry when you're doing it. It hurts. It can be annoying. Sometimes it's just annoying. Like, why am I in this position? Or you get bored. You're like, is this over yet? Oh, my God, there's 25 minutes left. But breathing, the whole lesson of yoga is breathe through the awkwardness and the pain and the boredom and the thoughts going in your head. It's breathe and just do the next physical movement put in front of you. You don't need an inspirational quote. You're being inspired by your own experience. You're sitting there realizing in your body, oh, I'm breathing through the tension. And if you feel like it, you can make that connection outside. Off the mat, as they say, you can make that connection outside of yoga. When you're tense, you be driving. Someone cuts you off. You're like, your shoulders go up. You clench your teeth. You go, oh, I can breathe through this. Oh, yoga taught me a lesson. So you don't need to start the class with some inspirational thing. This is my private experience on the mat, in my head. 
I don't need you getting in my head. And I take plenty of classes where people go, and then I won't do yoga for like a year. I mean, Pilates is my main gym, but where people just start saying stupid shit like, and if you have no, set an intention for the class. No! That, that's the point, in my opinion, of yoga is I get on the mat, I see what my body is telling me. Set an intention. What? What? To clear my mind, to lose five pounds in this class, I'm going to get on the scale right after, to blah, blah, blah. Th- it's too, you're giving me work, and I'm about to go do hard work that's annoying. I can't even believe I got my fucking butt here at 7.30 in the morning. No. I mean, actual people who know anything about yoga, and I like to think that I do, it, it is in and of itself a meditation. It's not the same as meditating, but there's yogic meditation. It, you don't have to say anything inspirational. I hate when they say set an intention. I always, in my head, anti-set an intention. And I wish I could raise my hand and go, I'm not setting one. In fact, I'm setting the intention that I'm not going to set one. And if I even feel an intention coming, it's going out the door. Can you imagine if I did that? They'd be like, okay, thank you. Um, we don't actually encourage people to share out loud. We wanted you to set that in your head. So, oh, geez, oh, geez. I don't have any room on this table. So this woman, I always feel like there should be, like th- they'll say raise your hand. You know, everyone close their eyes. Raise your hand if you don't want me to give you any hands-on adjustments today. Now, I never raise my hand. I love all the hands-on adjustments I can get. <laughs> that sounded like a creep. I didn't mean it to. Oh, honey. This is suddenly Samantha, Sex in the City podcast. Honey, I'll take all the hands-on adjustments I can get in this city. <laughs> I don't know what, what the episode is. Yoga. I'm a hoga. <laughs> I'm going I'll downward dog three times a day if I want to. Okay, none of these are good puns. On the mat, who's Matt? Sure, I'll get on. Okay, that now we're getting into the character, finally. Hot yoga, indeed. She's like looking at the guys. Okay, um, what was I saying? Intention. Oh, it was something they say, raise your hand. I want to raise my hand. I want them to go, if anyone's over 40, raise your hand. We will somehow, uh, we, we will prevent sound from coming in. We have, we have a headset. We have <laughs> noise-canceling headphones that you're going to put on when the 20-something teacher says something inspirational. <laughs> Guys, I'm not being mean. When I was in my 20s, I discovered shit for the first time. And I thought, because it was new to me, it was new to everyone. Will someone in their 20s ever say something that someone older has never heard? Of course. I just learned stuff last year that I'm sure everybody fucking knew. But you never know who knows what. And I feel when you impart wisdom, there should be a slight humility to it. Like, I'm late to the party on this, but just in case one person in this room isn't, do you want to hear this? Like, you got to have a little humility. This girl goes, all right, well, this is a different girl on a different day. And... Here's a new concept. She, it's a new con, not to her, new concept. Here's a new concept. Don't compare and despair. I'm like, bitch, I've been saying that 20 years. And I, I wasn't the first to say it. Don't compare and despair. I wanted to go, actually, you should compare yourself to other people who already fucking knew this 
and act with some humility around the fact that you're telling people shit they already probably know. And I wanted to raise my hand and just be like, can I skip this part because I'm old and I've been to a lot of self-help shit? <laughs> like, I'm so glad you just realized don't compare and despair. Um, <coughs> but also just, okay, so this, I'm in class. This girl gets up. She goes, hi, everybody. How you doing? I hate when they do that. Just shut up. We're, we're here. It doesn't matter how we're doing. It's going to change in five seconds once we start moving. Don't make the group answer. Just start teaching. Just shut the fuck up and start teaching. How are we doing? Quiet. Okay. So I always want to start with an inspirational quote. And I know this could be a little dark, but you have to find the lightness in it. Oh, boy. And Frank said, I'm like, what? I just hear Anne, Fr and I'm like, oh, I can't with this. Anne Frank, she's going to quote, in a hot yoga. Then I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. I know Anne Frank was captured by the Nazis. How did she die? And now I'm thinking, was Anne Frank, I, I know which, uh, what was her, see, I'm like, wait. And then I forget, uh, was it Bergen? Something was the the camp Bergen. I'm looking it up. Bergen Belsen. Okay, so they thought she died of typhus. In the camp, I didn't actually know this. I I kind of assumed once they got her, they like she was immediately killed and tortured. But she just di she died. See, I'm embarrassed and I don't know this. She died just two weeks before Allied forces liberated that death camp. That is so fucking upsetting. Um. But, okay, so it's like, either way, there were ovens. It, it. And and I, and I don't think a hot yoga, I just don't think it's an appropriate hot yoga reference, someone that died in the Holocaust. How about, I, so the quote was, I don't know the entire quote. Maybe I should look it up because she didn't even have it ready. And that's different than me not having it ready. Um, It was something about I have nothing to complain about. I'm looking up top Anne Frank quotes. I can't find it. Uh, I think it's this. Oh, dear Lord. I think this is the quote she was trying to say. Uh, as long as this exists, this sunshine and this cloudless sky, and as long as I en can enjoy it, how can I be sad? Okay. We don't need to put say that in a hot yoga class to a bunch of completely free people living in Los Angeles. You know, when I'm quietly at in my own mind at home, I watched a beautiful documentary about this woman who was in the concentration camps. She was Jewish and she, the Nazis wanted her to keep playing piano. And that saved her life, that she had this skill. And sh her courage and strength is unbelievable. And she, I, I think she's dead now, but she's lived and survived. It was in her 90s. 
and I'll watch that and I, and I'll watch it not even because I'm thinking about myself but I of course you do watch that and you go this puts a lot of fucking shit in perspective you start to go well what would I do if I were in that situation and then you slowly backtrack in your mind to am I doing that now am I taking what my hard circumstances are which is nothing compared to people in concentration camps and am I able to say you know what I won't freak out because I'm free and I have this and I have that you know whatever or do you just say well okay that that only goes so far sometimes unfortunately right we can't always be cognizant of every single person that died in a thing and oh at least we're not them like sometimes you go okay but what did, what was this woman doing for every moment of breath that she had left in with the uncertainty of if with the Nazis gonna kill her is, is she had the joy and her gift from she said God you know playing the piano so am I Am I in my joy while I'm going through whatever? But that's for me and my own brain, you know? And I might tell a friend, like, oh, this is a really inspirational documentary. We all kind of tacitly understand why these things can be inspiring because we look at our own lives for the most part and we go, okay, I'm not, I don't have that going on. But there's a triteness, which isn't a word, I think, when you s actually say it out loud to a class, oh my God. Because it, it, you're speaking with some kind of authority in a way. So it sounds as though you are comfortable telling people, hey, you know what you should do is think of Anne Frank if you want to complain during class. It's like, mm, it's not analogous, first of all. And you sound really weird that you're trying to put that in our brain. And also, maybe people in the room are really upset by the Holocaust. I mean, in in the way that we all are, but but maybe people are really triggered by it. Like maybe, I don't know, there's someone in their family or they're just, I don't know. It just, maybe don't talk about the fucking Holocaust <laughs> in a hot yoga class. Now, I know we should never forget and we should tell the stories all the time. I totally get that. But I don't think... Now I'm going to be in class going, oh, I'm so hot. This is so annoying. Oh, but Anne Frank said, and then I'm just going to go down a rabbit hole in a spiral, which I did. I was just angry at this woman the whole time. But also, this is what she said. She goes, it's getting it kind of dark, but if you look at the light, and it's like, no, no, I understand what you're saying. Of course, there's lightness to what Anne Frank wrote, her gorgeous book that is full of life lessons. And we go, wow, she's like a next level touched by greatness. She's special. But anyone in the room that thinks it's bad that you're saying this, it's not because they're like, I'm afraid of darkness. I don't like sad things. That's not it. Don't, don't make us out to be dummies. It's dark because you're doing it wrong. That's why it sounds dark to you as you're saying it, you unself-aware fuck. It's because it's dark. It is dark to get captured by the Nazis. End of story. Her attitude, it's just she made it trite, as if Anne Frank was never complaining. It's like the woman is writing this book, the girl is writing this book, and she's, she's sharing with you her innermost positive thoughts that carry her through the day. But I don't think she was sitting in there every day, like, not complaining now, not complaining now either. I'm sure she was crying and terrified. You know, we whitewashed this Anne Frank like she was just smiling and writing in her diary. <laughs> just, woo, what can I say now that's positive? That kind of optimism comes from pain, you dumb freak, teaching the class. 
So obviously, we have to recognize that Anne Frank was in pain. And she didn't frame it like that. But w- even so, it's not appropriate. But anyway, she didn't even get the quote right. She's like, and the Anne Frank said something like, what do I have to complain about, really? You know, I have everything I need right now. Or so it was something. That's what she was talking, like like me on Drunk History. I mean, it's like something like don't complain. Like, if you're going to quote Anne Frank, fucking quote Anne Frank. Get the quote. But trying to go off memory. So just hold that within you during class. What? No. I, first of all, not only did I hold it, I can't let go of it because I'm so full of hate. And I really, 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 there's two people I want to come back. Martin Luther King, so he can go, you didn't march with me, Bernie, you fucking weirdo. You you went to a protest and hundreds of thousands of people away from you. John Lewis is is the member of, of the uh, the how, um, is he in the Senate that, that did that? He was a civil rights icon. You're an old hippie glomming onto movements. And all the people in Jen's audience getting mad right now, grow the fuck up, you guys. You got conned, babies. That's what Martin Luther King, he ends every sentence with babies. I want him to come back and go, bitch, didn't march with me. I want Anne Frank to come back and go, stop using my words in hot yoga classes. You're all, I'm glad I inspired you, but you're all really offensive. And I actually hope, I actually would sacrifice, if someone said, Anne, you can come back to life, but you have to sacrifice one person. I would sacrifice that teacher, you stupid weirdo. Those two things would make me so happy. Do you have do you have a, a a historical figure that you wish would come back? I just wish the founding fathers would come back and go, Jesus Christ, you guys, get over it with the Constitution already. We didn't you hear the part where we said this is a living, breathing document? It's ma- it's made to be uh, added on to. Like, it, what are you doing here? <laughs> you can, Russia is a overthrew your government and you're like well I don't know what the constitution says it says whatever you want at this point you're fucked emergency emergency time oh my god that's what's going on on the west coast so so I met my chiropractor and uh this is a couple months ago and he's like where, where you go next I mean can we not talk about my traveling how about we talk about my back tell me stuff about my back Tell me any story you want about my back. And he goes, uh, where are you going next? I go, I don't fuck. I don't know. I don't know my schedule. Sure. I don't know. The South. Go to the South. How, how, do they, woo, how do they react to your material there? It's kind of racy. Excuse me. Oh, you're the one reacting to it then. You're the one judging it. Kind of racy. I talk about being divorced and sex in my act. Oh, no. Adult themes. The only two things that adults do, get divorced and have sex. I mean, what are you fucking talking about? Racy for who? Uh, an eight, 1800s nun, maybe? Not even. She may be like, well, I didn't know we could talk about such things on stage. <laughs> you know? But And then she'd be like, well, I guess I'm from the 1800s. But no one these days, I mean, he must have watched my Netflix special, which God bless. Thanks for the numbers. But I said, uh, well, I wouldn't tour if people were offended. Because I don't, like... I do it t- to make money. I don't do it for fun. I mean, is it fun at the end of the day? Sometimes a little. But, you know, I I would just, I mean, and, and by the way, I'm trying to get off the road like as soon as possible so I can <coughs> get a stable job. But it's like, 
Yeah, I would just be a TV producer or whatever. Like, I kept getting amazing jobs in TV and climbing up the ranks and then leaving because I just couldn't give up the, the, the dream of being, you know, a stand-up to, to big audiences. And uh, I keep coming back to it because people laugh all over America, and I never dreamed that was possible, and it's quite uh, not curious, but it's 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 like I want you makes you go oh well the, it breaks down that um, question. Now I didn't used to tour a lot, and that's because uh, people may not have been. aware of me but I, I just can't believe that educated people actually think people in the south are what like I mean yeah maybe the just according to like voting and obviously the abortion rights but I, th this is government figures I'm just talking about humans in the south and in the midwest and in the whatever like yeah but I see traces of conservative in my liberal family members in Massachusetts or they're not liberal at all they're conservative so I doesn't like the fact that I'm related to 30 pretty conservative people 30 in Massachusetts the most liberal state just just that alone just uh, informs my view of looking at other states I don't assume everyone in Texas has a gun and is a cowboy. I don't assume everyone in Alabama is trying to strip women's reproductive rights. You know, I don't, I'm not a, a, a dumb fuck, you know? Like, if I was going to the South and it was just people like, hey, what are you, a Yankee Jew kind of person? Like, which has happened to me in the South, BT dubs. I wouldn't go there probably because that's not fun and it feels unsafe. But I go... And in every city, there's 300 people. I always say it's straight men wearing nail polish, lesbians, uh, lifelong middle-aged lesbians, like lifelong couples, 30-something uh, women. Two of the people in the group are married. Two are divorced. And like early 20-something boys, a lot of them want to be stand-ups. And then like Gen X straight couples. That's my audience. I, everywhere I go... I see that gang of people. <laughs> I swear to God, it's the same people coming to every show in every state. And they all say the same things after. And I mean this in a good way. So I don't see every single person in America. These people the New York Times likes to write think pieces about, the economically anxious. I don't know. I don't see them. I'm sure they're there. I'm sure a lot of people, but the people that know about my comedy, and, and that's what I try to explain to my chiropractor. I'm like, I have a fan base, like, not to sound like a bitch. Um, people know me, <laughs> but I do. So that's who comes. It, you know, would I like, even when I do comedy clubs, when there's um, half the audience is my fan base and half is people that are just like, I don't know, comedy, I'll come in off the street. Of course I get a, it was just in Salt Lake City. Anyway, so I told my chiropractor, I said, I don't know, I just, I, I get insulted by questions like that, and I, I shouldn't, but I just feel like going, you know, I'm a businesswoman, right? A busy businesswoman, you know, but I am a small business owner. I'm not going to fuck my business by going places I'm not wanted. And it's not that weird that I'm wanted, as so are many of my comedian friends all over America. This, so let's just say I am this, like, liberal, 
white feminist in her bubble, whatever bubble that is, whether it's my whiteness, whether it's my middle classness, whether it's my whatever bubble I'm in, right? Uh, that I'm full, fully abled, whether it's whatever. All my bubbles that I'm in. Oh, I had a point. Ah, lost the point. Lost the point. Let's just say that uh, everyone in, in who comes to see me is also in the same bubble. Um, no, I lost my point. God dang it. It wasn't important. Anyway, so I, I just, I guess I got offended at that question, even though they don't mean it offensively, but. So anywho, so I'm at the ear, the nose, and the throat doctor today because he was looking to make sure. Now, I got to tell you, remember that sinus surgery I had last year where, like, my back sinus is called the sphenoid. It's, like, way back near the brain. It's not in the front. It's not, you can't feel it if your nose gets stuffy. It's way, way back. It's the one that controls, like, post-nasal drip. That had been blocked my whole life. So, you know when you go like this and you spit out something that was from the back of your nose? I've never been able to do that. I didn't know it connected. I mean, I did know, but mine never did. So, that's been a real thrill, uh, having this cold. I can do this gross thing that I've heard other people do my whole life. <laughs> so anyway, I went back in to make sure everything was okay. And I'm like, my throat, this, that. And he goes, where do you go next? And I actually love this guy. He's the greatest doctor ever. So he can ask me anything. And, uh, I told him, uh, you know, this dates, that dates. He goes, wow. And he goes, what's it? And then he goes, what's America like? And I loved it because I know he's well-traveled and he's done speeches and he's British and Iranian and American and so he's got all kinds of comments coming at him all the time from people and he was basically asking like what's your America like like what's your bubble like and I and I and I told him and I, that's the basis for today's stories which I'm half hour in and I haven't even begun the fucking episode but before I do America and Canada and London so just now just today as I mentioned up top Toronto we just went on sale. I am at the Just for Laughs Festival. So here's how it works. Basically, right now, you have to buy a festival pass. Um, it's the pre-sale. Oh, no, sorry. Today is the announcement. Okay, tomorrow, whatever. This Thursday, this Friday, the festival passes go on sale. If you join my newsletter, I'll send you an email and you can buy them. JenKirkman.com. Uh, but JFL42.com, you buy a festival pass, and then I think you can make a reservation for my shows. I don't even know what dates and times my shows are. I was told, arrive in Toronto on the 19th, and you'll leave on the 23rd, and your shows will be somewhere in there. If a lot of people make reservations to see me, then I get a bigger theater and I get more shows. So you will be accommodated. I will be accommodated. You have to just indicate that you're coming to see me. I don't really get how it works. It's hard to explain because all I have is this info in front of me. Pur purchase passes on Friday the 7th and that's it. So, but I know that Toronto, I have got a huge fan base there. I haven't been in two years. So it's, yeah, so I'm excited to come back. And uh, yeah, I usually play Toronto like every other year. So, but Join my newsletter, jenkirkman.com, and that's how you join it. It's right on the front page. Texas, uh, we are almost certain, 
that these dates are going to work. We, we, my agent is uh, battling it. You know, we're trying to take the dates from other people that want those dates. So they're in the battle, epic battle. Um, behind the scenes, touring battles. So it would be uh, August 21st through 23rd or 24th. And I would be in San Antonio, Houston, and Austin. Dallas, I already went to you this year. So just please join my newsletter. Um, Publicity has been really hard this year because I don't have a book out or a special. So a lot of, I thought like small town newspapers were just like, I'll totally write about Jen coming to town. But you have to have like another story and I don't have one. So it's been really hard to get press for stuff. And then I'm banned on Facebook and Instagram from buying boosts in certain, like, so <laughs> it's been really hard for me to get the word out about shows. So again, I beg you all, when you buy tickets, please post about it and tag me on Twitter or Instagram. Um, and you can just hashtag Jen Kirkman and I'll find it. You don't have to do like tour 29. I can't remember how. I gave you these hashtags and I forget. So, and then I'll retweet it. Um, and then just, yeah, just encourage people to come. And, you know, it's more like for people that you know that know me but might not know I'm coming. It's not like try to beg people to get into my comedy. That's not what I mean. Um, and that's it. So, Everything's on sale right now. There is a live I Seem Fun podcast taping um, in June at the Hollywood Improv and a big, big stand-up show. I never do touring shows here. You will see my real professional one hour that I do on the road um, in July. All of this, again, I've said at the top of the show, but I'm just reminding everybody, jenkirkman.com. All tickets will be on sale on the website. And London, my dates are... September 29th through October 5th. I will be back at the Soho Theater. Those are the new dates. And then I'm going to try to play Stockholm and Oslo and Amsterdam after that. Um, and probably Manchester. So Manchester, then Stockholm. So those are the cities that I can get the best pay in uh, from my European agent. That's right, I have a European agent. So I don't need suggestions or th it's the venues we know, blah, blah. It's just figuring out everything. I'm trying to use it as a little vacation. I've already been to Stockholm, but they pay me pretty well. So I go in there, take your money, leave. Then I go on my little vacay to Amsterdam and Norway and other such things. So join that newsletter. I don't know what to fucking tell you people. And again, if you get tickets to my shows in Minneapolis, Nashville, Birmingham, Alabama, or Athens, Georgia. If you buy them in advance and send me a proof of purchase at iSeemFun at gmail.com, that's right, the old address, iSeemFun at gmail.com, you will get a free download card of my Just Keep Living comedy special. It is audio download, 17 bonus minutes that you don't get anywhere else. You will get it upon entering the theater premises. You will be on a list and you can pick up your download cards if you buy in advance and send me proof of purchase. Okay. Ah. Thank you for your nice reviews. Uh, give me five star. Give me. Go to uh, Having Funlessness on iTunes. It really helps to give me five stars and write a beautiful review. I was telling you guys to write stupid reviews for a long time, but now I realize that sincere ones really help and five stars really help. And as people find my podcast, they'll be able to read, you know, what it's all about. So Noelle writes, Jen's voice is soothing and her story is relatable. Well, that's nice. I mean, I can't understand my voice is soothing. But um, someone wrote, I love Jen's funlessness and you should too. I never knew podcast addiction until this. 
a refreshingly honest comedic narrative that fo focuses on a variety of recent events and related topics, including news, media, and pop culture, coordinated with social observations, theories, and personal experiences, and delivered in a one-on-one -on -one storytelling manner. Every week, Jen delivers unfiltered opinions, alternative perspectives, relatable experiences, and plenty effortless off-the-cuff comedy that is seasoned with a healthy dose of satire, sarcasm, nostalgia, and quirk, never boring, always authentic, with an unstructured grade that falls in lines line with Jen's classic just keep living motto lifestyle well thank you somebody else said Jen is great at showing us all to be human plus she's entertaining and her podcast is something good to listen to on the days Howard Stern is off oh that's like the biggest compliment on earth okay so what is America well so I'm in a I'm in Portland, Oregon. This is months ago. And my favorite time of day on tour, favorite time of day, is 5 to 7 p.m. I'll have just gone to do some kind of workout. I shower. My hair's done. I might go get a blowout or something. I throw on a little makeup. Everything is packed and ready to go to the show, and I have two hours free usually. And that's when, and then, you know, I'll do a meditation. I'll do a little regrouping, maybe right before I leave. But in within this two-hour space, I love going to the hotel bar or restaurant because nobody's eating yet. And I will usually get an entire pot of hot coffee, <laughs> and I will do work. I will write. If I'm writing a script, I'll write a script. If I'm you know, it's not work having anything to do with the show that day. It's it's just my work that I have to do. Or I book travel or I organize things. It's just such a great little me time. So I'm doing that at this hotel bar in Portland. And this guy sits down. Now I'm at, imagine if you will, a little table that is lined up with the bar, but I'm facing into the restaurant and the people sitting at the bar facing the opposite way so almost like we are facing each other unfortunately but you know I'm I'm a little down I'm a little like lower than them and I'm looking at my computer and this guy goes hey I hate to bother you e then don't but okay but I knew he wasn't hitting on me because he looked so tortured and he said can, can I show you a picture of a watch that I really want and I went okay and and I thought he was going to be showing it to me because there's going to be a $5,000 price tag and it was some weirdo bragging that he's rich or I don't know. There was no price tag and he just showed me a picture. Was that too feminine? I said, I'm the wrong person to ask. And he said, no, but is it? I said, you're not understanding something. There isn't a general consensus about what femininity is anymore. Like, your question doesn't even exist. <laughs> and he was obviously a tourist, so we're in Portland, Oregon. I don't know where he's from. And he goes, what? And I go, listen. Feminine is what to you? Pink? Girl, are you trying to say it look, looks too much like a woman? He goes, well, I don't, yeah. I go, see, you're, you're asking me a question thinking we have the same mindset. I said, if you showed me a picture of a frilly pink bell-bottom jumpsuit, I would tell you to wear it. Because I, while I might think it's in quotes feminine, it doesn't mean I think it's bad for men to wear. So I like when men wear in quotes feminine things I don't even always like when women wear feminine things it doesn't always look good so I am 
all over the map with this gender stuff and who should do what. And I go, I, I'm, my mind is, has always been on this subject for decades. Just, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't get it. If a man wants to wear a dress and makeup one night out and then never again or just he does it twice a month because he just loves this one dress. Like I have a suit that I wear. I love how it looks on me. I don't wear it all the time. But for those nights I wear it, I'm a woman wearing a man's suit. Oh, it's a woman's suit, but it's a suit. We're not there yet with straight men where they're like, I just once in a while I throw on my wrap dress. It's just how it looks good on me. wraps around. It's good good on Thanksgiving you know I can sit and eat whatever I mean so I'm already there you know what I mean like I feel like we've gotten so far and of course I know people are dying in the streets and our president is taking away everyone's rights but in a general way I would think if you saw a man in a dress you would even in your own liberal way rush to define it oh that's trans or he's a cross-dresser or he's a whatever uh performance artist uh, and it's like what if it's just a straight guy who cis straight identifies straight but like twice a month he loves his wrap dress and it's nothing to do with trans or cross-dressing or that's just men wear dresses sometimes people aren't there yet i'm waiting for people to get there so i said i'm just saying all this to the guy because i want if i'm gonna talk to him about this wudge wudge if I'm going to, listen, buddy, if I'm going to talk to you about a watch, if I'm going to talk to him about a watch, then we're going to fucking talk about a watch. It, we're going to get deep. Because I know if I go, no, it's not too feminine, he'll keep going with some other such thing. So I wanted to exhaust him. And he said, but just tell me. I said, I can't. I said, I love it. You should get it. It looks really cool. I like the little diamond chips. I like, I like the rose gold. I like a big watch face. I said, I, I got to tell you, dude. That's my kind of watch. I, I would wear it. Okay, so it is feminine. I go, no, because I only wear masculine watches. He's like, well, I'm confused. I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe they're not masculine, but they're they're big-faced. And other women, I go, how do you wear that? So I said, this whole watch you're showing me, if I'm going to break it down to masculine and feminine, it doesn't look feminine to me in the classic way that I know women don't, women I know don't usually love this big watch face. So... He was like, I'm thrown for a loop. I go, because your question doesn't suit the narrative anymore going on in this country. <laughs> and he goes, I go, D are you afraid you're going to look gay? I go, do you, or like a woman? Like, which is it? Because everything stems to sexism. The homophobia, sexism. It. And he goes, I just want to look rich. And I go, well, there we go. <laughs> I said, well, it's a lot of bling, which is not a feminine trait. Like, if anything, you look like you just got a f your first record deal. You know, I mean, I don't know. Again, I go rich. A lot of rich people don't like fancy things. A lot of broke-ass people who get $5,000 in one check will buy a watch like that. I didn't say that. That would have been mean. But he just looked at me like, you gave me a lot to think about. So then I go back to what I'm doing. Bartender comes over. And the guy goes, can I ask you a question? Is this watch too, um, he changed the question. Is this watch too blinged? 
And the bartender goes, blinged? And he goes, blung. And he goes, blung? And he goes, you know, too ostentatious. <laughs> I love that that's like, that's the word he says later. Bartender goes, not for me. And he goes, because it's feminine? <laughs> bartender goes, no, I. it's just too much, it's too nice. I don't, I don't like, I, I don't even wear watches. The guy was just really uncomfortable in his own skin. So then he just sat there at the bar. He just wanted to sit and watch this game that was on. I knew it, but he just felt self-conscious, like he had to be pondering something and asking people things. He couldn't just be a man by himself. So I just thought that was interesting. Like, I constantly am running into people in every different state, literally state, like the 50 states, and then mental state. And it's hard for me to categorize people as this or that or that's from this area. Like when I was in Salt Lake City a few months ago, half the audience was not fans of mine. They were just people that showed up. I don't know anything about Salt Lake City. I'd driven through it once before. I know Mormonism is the main religion, but I don't know if like, I can't assume everyone in the South is a Baptist. And I think Mormonism is like, I'm, I'm like, are, is everyone here making fun of it? Or like the Mormons somewhere else? Are they walking among us? A lot of the weight stuff was telling me that they used to be Mormon and they got out. And that's what they call it. They got out like it was a cult. You know, they don't like Catholicism. They're like, I'm a lapsed Catholic. I don't go anymore. But this was like, I got out. But during the day, I wouldn't have known I was in a polygamist county or Mormon, I just saw people hiking. You know, I was walking in this giant park, and I swear to God, it could have been in Brooklyn's um, Prospect Park, or it could have been in Griffith Park, L.A. I mean, truly, you couldn't really tell the difference. It was beautiful. There were the same annoying people that keep their dog off the leash when the sign says put the, put the leash back on the dog. There were people sitting and meditating in complete meditative posture by the rolling river. There were so many different things going on that, you know, if you just go, what's going on in Salt Lake City? There's Mormons. You just think that that's what's happening walking around. I think that's actually what people who don't travel a lot think. They get this little picture of what's going on in every state. And it's not that simple. I mean, there is a lot of, in general, like, of course, uh, there's... There's bad things we can generalize and be like, no, no, that does happen in that state because of the racism and the thing. And the, I get that. But on the, like, the tip I'm on, which is just doing my comedy, I think people that go to comedy shows are within reason in the same bubble. I don't think you're going to get the person who's shining up his gun and making a Nancy Pelosi scarecrow and shooting it on his porch. Like, he's not coming to the comedy club. You know what I mean? But I'm sure there were Mormons in the audience. I don't know. I just had to go with my material about my Catholic family. And I'm sure I didn't offend anyone, but it was just interesting. So, <coughs> but then when I was driving to Omaha, I stopped at this, there's this big corner of this intersect of this freeway, kind of like you get off the freeway and it's this big intersection. 
and it's it's right between Iowa and, and Nebraska, and there's just giant like a warehouse, like you'd say like a Costco or something, and it said fireworks discount, and so they're both across from each other, both two fireworks places, and you just think ah perfect, and and I don't know if that's secret also for we sell guns, I don't know. I don't go in the places. I have no need for fireworks. But then I went to this restaurant that was across from it, and I forget the name of it. It's in my phone somewhere. And uh, I walk in and ask if I can use the bathroom, and I'm thinking, ugh, this will be gross. But you know what? I have to pee. It's better than – I thought, if anything, it's just going to be better than a gas station. And I walk in, and it's adorable, and the bathroom is totally modern, and it's the cutest place, and they're selling candles at the front, de- you know, at the front, and oh, dusty trails, like a big cowboy boot. They're, they're selling candles. There's all these like stuffed animals. I don't think they're real, but it's like stuffed bears and stuffed this, and really cute. And you can sit and look at the fireplace, and they had little like purses for sale. It was gorgeous. I mean, it was very themed looking, but it was still gorgeous. And when I asked if I could get some coffee to go, she said they don't do to go because they're an environmental restaurant. And I was like, oh. She said, do you have a thermos? And I was like, I don't. I'm a dick. I'm an asshole. I am still use plastic straws for my vocal warm-ups. Sorry. Sorry. But you would have thought, L.A. girl, environmental, walking in, blah, blah, blah. Opposite, people. Opposite. I actually went to McDonald's and got a coffee, and I am against giving McDonald's money. I stopped giving them money when I was 14 and I read about deforestation, but I have just contributed $1.50 to deforestation because I wanted a hot coffee in a cup. So I'm in, uh, you know, I was, I was watching Colin Quinn's um, Red State, Blue State. Now, I'm such a fan of his and his Netflix special, New York Stories. Is so fucking funny, I can't take it. I just love him, and he's such a wonderful, nice person, too. Now, the thing with his special that I get that people online don't, because they're like, these 50-year-old men, they don't want to change, and they don't want comedy to be... He does a lot of jokes about, oh, isn't it great that comedy is so woke now? You know, I roll. The thing is, Colin Quinn isn't saying retard, faggot, tranny. He's not saying those words. So he's actually not upset that comedy is so woke that he can't say words. He's talking about the thing we're all talking about is when things are taken to such absurd levels that now you've canceled a discussion, like the way that I was getting tormented on Twitter for keeping my shows in the South. There's no discussion anymore. There's just shaming and yelling in Twitter. And Colin is saying, he's an intellectual guy. His, his whole, you know, he's into great literature. He's into the, when he's, he's talking about the, the comedian is the town square for public discourse. And, and when we are so worried that we're not getting something right, it can sort of hinder the progress of discussion. But he's not going, oh, isn't it terrible things are so well. He's, he's joking that, like, it's getting so far now that comedians are seen as sort of the moral, 
like we're the moral people in society, which is all always been true, right? The court jester makes fun of the king, like jester makes fun of the king, like yeah, sure. You Lenny Bruce, you Bill Hicks, you blah, blah, blah. we got. But they shouldn't have to be if they don't want to be. So this notion, I've done interviews with hostile people telling me, you don't do stuff about Trump in your act. I'm like, unless it has a direct correlation to something that happened to me or my family, like, no. You know, I might mention something if that day I'm, I'm confused or pissed off. Or, but, I, you know, Trump didn't change my, my act. You know, I don't do comedy as a reaction to Trump. I do it as an expression of my art. And, and I don't have to do stuff about him. And they're like, don't you think you have a responsibility? No, I don't actually. I have a responsibility to keep the conversation moving in my art form, and I have a responsibility to not hurt people. But no, I don't. Fuck you, you know? Like, it's just... And so what I, what I liked about his special is it was challenging for me because, you know, he, he had a joke that was like, we got 15 genders and two political parties. If you want to, you can read it into he's making fun of the fact that we have 15 genders. He's not. He's, he's saying, why have we progressed so fast with things that recently were shocking to talk about? Like when that book, The Kinsey Scale, came out, which was like men's femininity and sexuality and the different scales, and you know, people are like, oh. He's saying, what we, we won't evolve on the two-party system. So, you know, that's what he was saying. But pe people can read into it however they want, but I happen to know that, like, he's been on Howard Stern talking about how he's, like, hooked up with guys. Like, he's been bisexual. Like, he's not like that. I'm not saying that makes him, like, perfect because you're bisexual. You can't, like, be ho But see, this, this what I'm doing right now is crazy making. This, this, what I'm doing right now is not funny. Like, no, he doesn't mean that. See, okay, just because someone's best, it's, it's that constant overcorrecting that takes away just comedy and me trusting that you guys know what I'm saying and that you guys trust that you get where I'm coming from. There is no tacit relationship between audience and comedian that much anymore. You can say things and the wrong people hear the punchline the way they want and now you've got this like alt-right following. You know, and, uh, and, and I, luckily, I don't think I do comedy that's close enough to that line, so I don't have to worry about it, and if I did, I'd probably stop doing it. So that's a bad example. But what was challenging to me is I used to be one of these people that thinks we should have a million parties. And then through some reading and research I did on my own and just people kind of explaining it to me, not even people that, I don't even know who these people were. I just, I feel like I heard it places and I read it. it explained to me that the two-party system is, it's, t it's to have a majority to prevent some fringe lunatic from winning. To, you know, it's from further splitting the vote. And that happened anyway. Um, you know, 30% of the country elected someone. But I know philosophically what he's saying. And so I was interested to see a philosophical statement made and then see if he did the mathematical jokes to back it up. I may not agree with it, but I don't have to get angry at it because I know sometimes in comedy, we're not even saying we really mean this. You know, I might do bits about, well, I did a whole bit about in my first Netflix special, a guy didn't know the difference between a lemon and a lime, and I think we should all get one poison pill 
that we can take out someone that we think is dumb. Do I really mean that? No. But what I mean is I feel such a lack of control in society. When I see people that don't know things, I start spiraling and, and I get worried that we're overpopulated and, and I get worried that we're not smart anymore like we used to be. And does this guy read a newspaper? You know, it's that kind of thing. But in a general way, a lot of times comedians are going, I think I think this. Like our brains, when we're sitting there thinking, I don't think the two-party system works. I, you know, technically, in my fantasy, we've got 10 different parties and we all argue it out and then th that party wins. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, how can I make a bit about it? And then you keep going from there. It's like, is he really running for office and trying to split the two parties? No. He's just making a case. Now, if people want to hold on to what he's saying so dearly and work their whole identity around it, then I guess that's their problem. But part of me is watching it going, no, you're wrong. The two-party system is, is for a reason. We're supposed to have this, you know. And his point was like, oh, no, no, no. I get it. I get why there's two parties. We were supposed to have discourse. But we can't. We failed. We are now screaming and yelling on Twitter, and we need to break the country up the way that Europe is broken up. And the points he makes, you're like, oh, yeah, good point. Obviously, it's more complicated than that and blah, 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 and this and that. But it was interesting to hear. It was fun to listen to. It was like he almost takes you to a relaxing, positive fantasy. We're like, no harm, no foul, but this didn't work out. So let's split the country into six different things, and it'll be like the way you can go from Amsterdam to Germany. You know, Utah's different than New Jersey. Like, it was relaxing. It was like, oh, that's a fun little fantasy for two seconds. But you don't have to get... Even though I was like deep down, no, <laughs> two parties, one America. And I had to laugh at myself like, when did I become that person? You know, it, it's fun to watch. My brain does all these little dances in my head when I watch. And everyone online, that middle-aged white guy with the, oh, shut up already, enough. Not everyone's a fucking devil. I'm sorry to announce, but there are middle-aged white people and we must live among them. You know what I mean? She's just got to relax on that shit. Like, really, truly. I, I am getting really just. And I think if we just lead the way, comedians, and continue to do what we've always done, just speak how we speak, and if, you know, we're times, hopefully everyone can fucking relax. You know, so what was my point? Ventura Highway in the. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I got. <laughs> I'm in this wine bar in uh, St. Louis. My hotel was this really cool place called the Ar Angid Arts Hotel. I loved it. If you guys live in St. Louis, go to the rooftop, have a cocktail, go look at the art there. It's wonderful. I also stayed in an art hotel in Kansas City called the 21C. Really beautiful, modern art exhibits. Like the whole hotel is an art exhibit. Incredible. So I'm in St. Louis, and uh, I have a phone call with my agent about something, and then I have to, oh, I'll sit up on the rooftop bar. So I go up there, and I'm like, you know what, I'll just have a glass of wine. I have a glass of wine. Um, I don't know. And I go to the bar. I'm not joking. I was so happy. <laughs> See, and I, I, I saw this. I, I did. She, you know what? Pronus. Someone born with vagina and boobs, and they now identify as a man, or they don't, or if it was they born with penis and balls, and they identify, I don't know. Kind of just an androgynous person. Maybe they are not even trans. Maybe they're just like, I'm an androgynous person. Whatever. What I loved about it was 
God, I feel like I am seeing more diversity every time I travel, and it makes me happy. And nobody at the bar was like, what do you call yourself? Like there wasn't any of that bullshit going on. It was great. So I made the mistake of thinking, oh, well, here I am, a young, cool person. And, and I, if I'm going to judge, I think the other bartender was a lesbian. But uh, so here I am, you know, they're probably so excited to see the likes of me around here because I look kind of alternative, cool, Gen X, here she is. And uh, they're helping some like basics, you know, down at the end of the bar. The type of people who probably don't have any people of color in their lives or different genders and different this and that. <laughs> and uh, that's literally the thoughts that go through my head. So ain't nobody in this bar. It's 5 o'clock. There's a, a, a table of basics like sitting near the bar. And there's one man ordering for all the girls. So there's four people. And I guess they're getting like complicated drinks, like things that need like a little orange rind, that, all that business. I just want the happy hour wine. And by the way, I'm not all, I don't drink shit wine, but this was a good wine and it was the happy hour wine. Don't want you to think like, she'll drink a boxed wine. No. Uh, no. So I'm at the uh, bar, and the one woman ooh, that I think is a lesbian is like, can I help you? I'll, I'll be with you in a minute. Climb pharmacy, like cr crushing things up in a, what do you call those, pestule? Do you see how I can't speak anymore? You know what I'm talking about. I'll know the word by the time I hang up with this podcast. Hang up. I'm not on a phone. Jesus Christ. Mortar and pestle. All right, anyway, so she's doing that. Jazz. And then she does look up at me, and she goes, is it the happy hour wine? I go, oh, yeah, that'd be great. She goes, okay, I'll get that for you in a few minutes. Now, androgynous over here, she's necktie, she's got a necktie on. Necktie over here is uh, doing nothing. Just kind of wiping you know, if you get time to lean, you get time to clean. Neckties got time to, to clean. So I figure, oh, you know, maybe they're training. They don't uh, take drink orders. It may, might even be a friend of this other girl. What do I know? So uh, they come over to me and says, uh, have you been helped? And I said, uh, yeah, I mean, I think she's a little busy, so I can tell you my order if you wanted to get it. And then she's like, what, did you tell her already? I go, oh, yeah, 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 I did. And then, but I was like, this is stupid. Like, there's a person standing in front of me who could just, like, pour the thing. And this other one is, she's over there now, like, milking a cow. Like, this is such a special drink order. And she's like, she just keeps being like, I'll be with you in a minute. She's stressing. So I say to the necktie person, I go, I, it was just a happy hour wine. I mean, I, I can go tell her that you got it. And she goes, uh... Yeah, I'll get it for you. And she brings it over, and I try a sample. And the other woman turns around and goes, I told you I would help you. And I go, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, she goes, no, but if you want to just start something. I go, no, 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 I don't want to start anything. I was, I, 
she asked me and I thought maybe it'd be easier for you and like I just do want to kind of get my drink and sit down but like no right like it's all good I was just trying to like get out of the way and she goes well usually when you place an order like it gets confusing if you tell two people we're really crowded right now legit five people were there and it holds about 60 so I was like they're fucked when this place starts popping off I mean that was a normal way of talking to me. And people from St. Louis may be like, sounds like St. Louis. But, like, I don't even think these girls were from there necessarily. You know what I mean? It's like, I was like, God, I thought we were cool. Like, I was, I'm here in my funky outfit. Like, what the fuck? Read the room, honey. I'm, I'm cool. I was all mad. Why don't they know my comedy? Why don't they know why I'm in town? Instantly, I was just like, the Midwest sucks. You fucking don't know how to do anything. Oh, move to LA. You, you lose your job in five seconds. You talk to customers like that. You got to. So I start texting friends of mine that used to be bartenders. I'm like, check this out. My friend Sarah Colon is all on my side. She's like, that never would have happened. <laughs> so, you know, my opinion of America goes up and down, up and down, up and down, depending on my direct interactions with people. And that point is and if you're choosing to be negative, then you're going to make it something negative. And, and for me, it's just, I just want everyone who's listening to know that everywhere all over the country, there are people just like you who may not look like you, but they all feel the same way. There's, what, what's America like? It's like a bunch of humans on different landscapes that have different weathers and temperatures. That's what it is. It's a beautiful thing. So I get this um, tweet from someone who's like, you're really brave. So I've been doing this thing where on Instagram, and I, I know I did it on the show a couple weeks ago, Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's former fixer, he's now in prison. He brought all, he put, you know, there's pictures of him. He's wheeling a suitcase, like, like he's checking on one checked bag free on Southwest. He's wheeling a suitcase into the halls of Congress, and he is testifying about all the things he did as Donald Trump's fixer. He's got letters. He's talking to Russia. He's talking to Felix Sater, a guy who worked in Trump Tower, who's a famous, you know, Russian real estate business dealer, but also a spy and a real estate, whatever. And they released his testimony, and they released his emails publicly months ago unredacted, whatever. So they're fun to read. He just took pictures of all his texts, and it's all on PDF files, easy to find. So I, I downloaded both PDF files. They're like 250 pages each. I went through them, and I found the funniest parts I thought would make good stage readings, and I read them because it makes me laugh. And somebody tweeted at me, you're really brave to do that. And I said, I don't think so. What's brave about it? And they're like, well, I just don't want you to end up in an embassy like Ju Julian Assange. I'm like, well, I'm not going to rape anyone in Sweden, so I probably won't. I mean, let's not forget. And I'm like, do people still don't get the Julian Assange thing? He was not a journalist. He was hacking material and publishing it on WikiLeaks, which is not journalism. The reason that Donald Trump is now coming after the media and saying we can't do this to Julian Assange is because... I, I'm not going to get into all the double speak of the whole situation, but I mean, the reason that Trump is saying we can, he's changed his mind. Now we, we have to persecute Jul Julian Assange. He shouldn't have done this 
is because he wants to jail journalists who actually tell the truth. Julian wasn't telling the truth so much as he was posting classified documents that could harm people, and he got them because he was part of a hacking. So, no. My point is that somebody had such misinformation or doesn't pay attention enough that they thought that I was somehow being a truth teller. I was like, these are public documents. And he's like, well, just make sure. I go, I'm sure. I got them publicly. You Google Michael Cohen's transcripts, and the thing comes up. He thought I was getting, why would I have Michael, Go Michael Cohen's unredacted transcripts? Why would, gen well, how would they have fallen into my lap? Like, what? So I, it was like, our, this is a dumb country. That people going, uh, you're going to end up in an embassy like Julian Assange. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't, I didn't, like whether or not you think he did something wrong. I, I'm reading stuff that's public domain. It's not the same. They're like, I think it is. I'm like, you cannot allow to think that though because it's literally not. It would be like if I read the TV guide in the town square and someone was like brave. I'm like, you can just get it at the supermarket. And they're like, can you though? It, no, yeah, you can. Not everything's a conspiracy. So sometimes I am just like, you know what? God bless, like, save yourselves, everybody, because I, I don't know. You look to your left, you look to your right. I don't know who my neighbors are half the time. I don't know if they're dumb fucks who don't comprehend reading or if they're, like, wearing about if a watch is too feminine or if they're overwhelmed making four drinks. I don't know. There's a lot of hysteria going on. <laughs> and I think mostly, like any country, America is made up with people with their own problems in their own head filtering the world through their own reality. And I will say lastly, I did a grocery delivery when I was sick and I asked for a head of lettuce and they brought me a head of cabbage. And I made that mistake once when I was in my 20s when I was working at a restaurant and they were like, shit, we just ran out of iceberg lettuce. Jen, can you run across the street to the grocery store? And I did and I brought back a cabbage and they were like, Kirkman! They always call me that, Kirkman, what is wrong with you? And I never forgot since then that cabbage and lettuce, and not that I thought cabbage was lettuce, I just grabbed it quickly and without really looking, but then I was like, they feel exactly the same, and then I realized cabbage is really rubbery, it feels nothing like lettuce, and the person that delivered my groceries just left, and I wasn't able to go, this is a cabbage, and like give them the same lesson that someone gave to me when I was in my 20s, so I, f I failed. There is one 20-something running around right now who she doesn't know the difference between a head of lettuce and a head of cabbage. And that's also what's going on in America right now is certain foods <laughs> and certain knowledges. They're just people who don't, if you don't need to know something, then you don't know it. And that is so foreign to me. Um, I know tons of shit that I don't need to know, but you do need to know the difference between a cabbage and a lettuce. If you're going to be a grocery shopper, I mean, maybe if you're going to do something else, if you're going to deliver, you know, furniture, maybe you don't. But delivering groceries and picking them out, I think you're going to learn. And I, I really wish I could contact her, but they don't have a way for you to get their number. Anyway, I'm digressing about cabbage. This is my whole summation of what America is like. I think for all of us, it's like, <laughs> it's like whatever. It's, it's, it is whatever we experience. Ugh. What I mean is I travel America to do comedy shows. 
not to vacation. I've certainly vacationed in America. I've, I travel America to see friends and to see family. So for me, America is, I base my opinions on my experience in America on friends, family, and my job. Now, Jen, oh my God, there's racism, sexism, homophobia. Of course. I, and I base, that's what I mean. I base my opinion of America or any country on the, the politics, on the regimes, on the uh, progressiveness, whatever. Yeah, of course. For the love of God, let me get through a thought. <laughs> but my personal experience in America is my personal experience. And my personal experience is that I get to see uh, a few hundred to a thousand-ish people in, in almost every city. I get to say things to them and, and they laugh at things, which is, you know, on, on your most basic level, that's people saying, that's funny. But on a deeper level, it's them saying, I empathize. I understand. I've been there. I see it that way. Or even I don't see it that way, but man, you made me laugh because for a minute I got out of myself and into your head. I experienced your experience. That's what my America is. So when, when I go places and people say to me, oh my God, why did you come here? Oh my God, what are you doing here? Thanks for coming to insert city here. It's, I know it sucks here. It's like, hey, it doesn't suck here. It doesn't suck for me because this is my experience. I mean, you just, it breaks my heart really when people shit on where they live because, I mean, maybe for you every single day, you want more, you want a bigger art center, you want better restaurants. Okay. But for me, you never have to apologize to me. I get to do the most amazing thing. I get to come through, meet new people that work, you know, at the venue. I get to make you laugh and then talk to you after. That's what I want to do in America, and I'm doing it. You know, when people tell me, go to this restaurant, go to that, I get so frustrated because they're not letting me have my experience, which is I didn't come here to do that. I, I know you're proud of the local sizzler or whatever, but I didn't come here. I'm kidding. I didn't come here to to do that. This isn't a travel log show and I'm testing meals and go. You know, I have things that I love about traveling, and for me, it's hotels. And <clears throat> yeah, so it's like I don't. Uh, I'm not judging your city on, on the restaurants or the coffee shops or the wine bars. I, I think it's almost, um, I don't want to say the word provincial. It's so condescending, but I don't, can't think of anything else. Like it's a, it's a, that's not even the right word. It's just a uh, small view that traveling equals vacation, right? So when people hear that you're traveling and they hear that you do something in quotes fun like comedy, they think it's vacation. And it's not. You know, my nine to five job is traveling to go do comedy. And I feel as though I'm at a nine-to-five job when I'm traveling to go to do comedy. I'm laser-focused. I'm there. Even though I'm a few different places per day while I travel to do comedy and you're in a cubicle at a desk, which is one location, I go to three, it has that same feeling. I've worked office jobs for more years than I – for 42 years. <laughs> it's like I – I'm not trying to have an experience outside of a work experience. I'm not trying to taste the culture and go to the local whatever. 
my experience is you guys. And my experience in America is seeing, I mean, I never thought when I was a little kid there would be this internet that I'd be able to know what someone in an, a different city was thinking. Uh, I mean, I guess I assumed I could go places and meet people, but it didn't dawn on me I was going to be, you know, when I was a little kid and I thought about how comedy looked cool, I wanted to be on television. I wanted to go to Hollywood and wear sets and I wanted to wear a set. <laughs> I wanted to just wear a big giant, I wanted to strap a hunk of wood to my back and walk around. <laughs> Ma'am, we don't, we can plant these here on, on uh, stilts. You don't have to hold the set. Oh, I didn't know. I'm from Massachusetts. I'm just a little kid. But I wanted to wear costumes and sets and lights. If you told me stand-ups go around the country touring and doing material, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have even comprehended that. Even when I thought maybe I wanted to do comedy, it was I had no clue about a touring stand-up. The fuck knows what that is? And now that I get to do this weird little job, that is enough. That is in and of itself my experience. When I try to shoehorn vacation into stand-up, unless I'm like in Europe for two weeks, that's different. But when I try, it, it's not what I'm there for. It doesn't give me any of the joy that seeing the people in the audience and seeing how you guys dress and, and who's wearing what. And oh, I'm a mom and here's my son. You know, I'm your age. My son's 20. I just, I like to see what people are wearing. I like to just look at people. I like to hear them. I like to hear accents. I like to hear what's going on in your life. I like to see what you laugh at. I like to see what time people laugh harder at, what this, you know, I'm, I'm in my own sociological cube in my head. I'm in my own thing collecting my own data and having a great time. I go around the country for only that experience. You go, well, Jim, you could have so much more. You could go here and go to the steakhouse. You could go here. It's like, I know I could. And I've done that. I have traveled the country extensively as a tourist. Trust me. To me, America is the people. And whenever I get down about the politics, and I know people are politics, blah, blah, I think of the wonderful people I've met who I'm sure even if we don't agree on everything, there's that human connection there where people are scared, just in general, not even just because of the world today. People are wondering if they're doing, in quotes, it right. People are feeling alone. They feel like they're the only one who's ever thought or felt a certain way. They're feeling ostracized from family and friends. They're feeling judged. Sometimes they're just feeling bored or uninspired. Whatever it is, and then also, there's a million positive things that we all feel too. But I get to experience that with people. And when people say to me, thanks for coming here, ugh, why did you come here? It's like, look, at the end of the day, would I live here? Probably not, but um, that doesn't mean it's a shitty place. And also, I came here because I'm getting paid. Like, when you say, ugh, I can't believe you came here, it's like you're dismissing the miracle of like, I'm in the weirdest job on earth. I get paid to talk into a microphone and I'm a woman and it's really hard to do that as a woman. Like we still don't get a lot of gigs and I'm doing a really hard thing and you guys made it possible. Like you just witnessed a fucking miracle. Why would you shit on the whole experience when you meet me after go, oh, can't believe you came here. It's like, it's not that hard to get places. I'm not in a covered wagon. I flew to your very metropolitan airport, despite that you're a farming town or whatever. And I took a car and I'm staying in a really cute hotel and then I'm going to get a check at the end of the night for talking to you guys. It's nothing bad has happened. The only thing I hate about traveling is the weather. I hate the turbulence. I hate driving in the rain. That's what I hate. It, I, don't, I can be anywhere USA and be miserable 
because the weather is freaking me out. I, I, I'm not very, my anxiety goes high when weather is disrupting the machines that I'm in. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so, you know, I just think it's like people need to get out of their negativity about where they live. And of course there's hopelessness and there's, you know, laws being dismantled in certain states. But, but if you look around you, there's the beauty of the other people. And I get a lot out of going to all the different places that I go to. And I'm never once judging them in my head. I'm not, again, I'm not there for the wine competition. And I'm like, well, it's Mrs. Jean Magoo from Paris. Well, here I am in Birmingham, Alabama. What is this wine? This is horrible. It's from a box. What is this, a rock club? What is this? Uh, where am I? I'm never disappointed because I'm always greeted by you guys, and I'm not just fucking saying that. So that's what America is like to me. It's a bunch of people who are saying, yes, we're here on the same journey. And for someone as sensitive as me, I need the constant reminder over and over that I'm not the only one that feels scared or this, or am I doing it right? I need literally that constant reminder over and over. There's no better job for me than getting to communicate with people and have their feedback. So to me, <coughs> that's what America is. And it's amazing. And it doesn't matter if I'm in New York City or Kansas City or Oklahoma City. I have the same experience in every city. And I've honestly... <coughs> I judge a city on the shows, on how many people come, <laughs> on my experience of how the audience. So there's been times when I've been down on Chicago when technically, sure, they have better food than Oklahoma. But I got to tell you, Oklahoma City always comes out in droves. I did a women's only show there, like women only attendance, women, uh, we gave the proceeds to Planned Parenthood. Like that was a meaningful night to me. And everyone's like, I can't believe you came here. It's like, I came here because this is a weird place to do something like this. That, and, you, and you let it happen. I, we just experienced a minor miracle. This is great. So I would just tell you guys, stop shitting on where you live. You know, I don't think you're any cooler because you don't like what you think is some uncool place. I think, well, then why don't you leave? Or I think, well, why don't you do something about it? Or I think, why can't you see what you do love about it? And usually what I love about every city has zero fuck to do with the landscape of the city, the food, the view. That's my point. I can be anywhere when I am in your town. And in my mind, I am in this place called America where the people that I like to meet are. It doesn't matter what four walls hold me in, what state boundaries I'm inside of. I don't think about it. To me, I'm not even... It's, it's like you're having a totally different experience than me. You're in Kansas City going, I wonder if she went down this street. I wonder if she went into this restaurant. And I'm just like, I'm out in the world. Here are people. That's why to me it doesn't matter where I go to eat or where I go to this. It's not why I'm there. So what is America? I don't know. It's kind of a mess. But for right now, I am enjoying that my America is reflected in the people that, that I get to meet that come see me. And so keep coming out to shows and keep telling friends. And I guess until next week, have fun.